Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. And that's what we're going to be doing uh, for the rest of this month and next month. We're going to be teaching on a topic. Basically, we're asking God to give us, that means all of us, give us a possible revelation that would turn be a turning point in our life that will cause us to walk the word of God out. Because uh, I don't know about you, some words I know. You know, really, you know the scripture. You know the scripture, what it says, but we're not yet able to walk it out fully. So why aren't we able to walk it out? And God said, you know, you need a a revelation of that. And I said, well, God, give us some possible turning points in our lives for 2019 because it's, it's like fruitless to keep hearing the word and you know what it says, but not able to do it. I want to be able to do the word that I hear. I want to be able to do the word that I see in scripture. That's what I want to do. And there are Words that, many words that I don't uh, do because I want to do them, but it's just I'm not able to do it. And, and so I ask God, give me, give me a turning point in 2019. And so we gave you one possible turning point week before last, last time we were in service. We gave you a possible turning point, and that it might be on the back of your bulletin, and it is on our website, uh, the total message. So uh, that's, is it on the, on the back of your bulletin? It's a review of the last message that we, we did, which is two weeks ago. This week, we're going to give you another possible turning point. This is possible turning point number two. And so I'm, 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 I'm excited about it uh, because and these turning points, possible turning points I'm giving you, they are for me as well as for you. Because um, like two weeks ago, that message I gave, I'm, I'm still trying to grasp a revelation of God. I want to make this my lifestyle. I don't want it to be, oh, I know what this says, but really I'm not doing it. I want to be able to do it. And so this message is the same. So I'm going to talk about two things today. I'm going to talk about really um, without God and with God. Without God and with God. That's what I'm going to be talking about. And so let's just dive into it. If you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Let's go there. And this is a to me, a word picture in verse 1, it tells us that I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. So we see an agricultural thing. We see where there's a, a vine and grapes. And I know that you probably might have had a vineyard of some type in, in your yard. I know when I was growing up, I had a uh, 
a grapevine in our yard. And I don't know, I think you call it scopadine grapes or something. They're kind of reddish grapes or, or brownish or some type of grapes. And um, they don't taste like the grapes we get in the grocery store, but um, they were grapes. And there was a vine. And he says that I am the true vine. And so if he's a true vine, speaking of Jesus, because you know, talking about Jesus, he's a true vine, so there must have been another vine that's been uh, spoken of before this time. And it was uh, in, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, in Psalm, it would be talking about a, a vine, uh, and, and it's talking about Israel. In Isaiah, the same thing. And you can look back and read those occasions uh, when he's talking about a vine. But Jesus says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. And my father's a vine dresser. Okay, so now we have this visual of what he's talking about. And you can picture in your mind a grapevine, and it has uh, all the way across this a vine, and it has uh, little shoots coming out of it, and you know it's supposed to produce grapes at some point in time. And it says that in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay, every branch in me, and so in me meaning in the vine, so every shoot in me that does not bear fruit, he, meaning the Father, takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it bears more fruit. And so that's, that's, that's exciting uh, that, that we can bear more fruit. Uh, I don't think the pruning process is so exciting. Uh, but it's exciting after it's over with because you know you're going to uh, produce more fruit. So I know that in the, uh, we have a, a little thing. Well, it's not a little thing. It's a, 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 I don't know what you call it. It's a bush that's in, by our kitchen window. And, and, it, and it produces uh, pretty uh, fruit in the spring of the year. And uh, we cut it. Well, we didn't cut it back. So somebody cut it back. I had somebody cut it back. And they cut that thing down to, I mean, it was down. Minerva was upset with me. And, and uh, it, it was cut down. And it was nothing but stubs. That's what it was. And I said, well, well didn't you cut too much off of it? And they said, no, I'm just pruning it. It's going to produce more fruit. I said, okay. Uh, that year it produced nothing. It was just, you know, a growing stump. That's all it was. But after a couple of years, that thing got so fruitful. I mean, it was just all over the place, just pretty. Uh, uh, Burgundy flower, it was just so beautiful. But it was because of the pruning process. Now, I wouldn't advise you to cut your bushes like that, man, because uh, you might not have anywhere to live. Uh, so don't, don't do that. <laughs> but, but know that God does prune in order for us to uh, b- grow more fr- fruit. That's important. Let's look at verse 3. Yeah. Verse 3 goes a little bit further because it, it kind of makes a change because it was talking about, oh, this vine. It's talking about the branches. It's talking about the f- uh, bearing bear fruit. Then it says, you are already clean 
I said, wait a minute. Already clean. What does clean have to do with it? I never heard of a a grapevine being clean. Nobody goes out you know, soap and water and wash the vine off. Nobody does that. So what is he talking about? But that Greek word clean is the same word that um, that says prune. Same word, basically. It's, it's, a, it's a process of a, of a purifying process. So he switches over from agricultural example to really us because he says you are, are already clean clean or purified because of the word which I have spoken to you. I said, okay. So that means that I'm pruned. The word prunes me. The word purifies me. The word causes me to produce more fruit. It's the word of God that causes that. And the more I hear, the more I do of the word is the more I will sprout out to be fruitful. So I said, okay, God, that, that is, that's exciting. And I said, well, is that, who else does that to a person? Is that really happens to people? Really, does that happen to people? They get purified like that? And so he sent me to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. And I think you know the, the uh, what we're talking about Ephesians Chapter 5, verse uh, 25. Let's go there. And that's the one talking about the husband and wife relationship and how they, all the, the, the wife's relationship to the husband like the, like the you know, the, the uh, churches to, to Christ. It says, husbands, love your wives just as, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her. And that word cleanse is the same word that he had just talked about with the vine. You are clean through the word that I've spoken to you. And so here's a, an example. God said this example is the same thing, that Jesus Christ, he, he purifies us, he cleans us, he prunes us by the word. He says he cleans us by washing of water by the word. So I said, okay, that is what I want to know and do that from, from John. If I'm going to be a fruitful vine, if I'm going to be one that produces fruit, I must be pruned. And so I know now the pruning process is the word of God. So when I hear the word of God, I want to be to understand it. Because if I don't understand the word, it's impossible for me to be able to do the word if I don't understand the word. And so as I understand it, then I say, okay, now I can start uh, asking the Holy Spirit, help me to be able to walk this word out because that's the only way I'm going to be fruitful is walk this word out. So it's important that when you... uh, Hear the word of God. Read the word of God. You, you're asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, open my eyes that I may see what, what you're, you're showing me. Open my ears so I may be to hear. I want to be to understand what you're saying to me 
because our object is to uh, be, as it says in verse 27 of, of that Ephesians chapter 5, is that, that he may present her to himself, the church, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, that she would be holy and blameless. And isn't that what we want to be? Holy, holy and, and blameless. Let's go back to uh, the Gospel of John uh, in, in the same chapter 15 that we were in. And let's continue there. Let's go to verse 7. In verse 7 it says, If you abide, then we, we introduce something else. We, 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 we heard already about being pruned. We've heard already about being cleansed, which is the same thing. We've heard about the, uh, being more fruitful. And so it says here that if you abide, that word abide in, in the Greek means to remain in. It means to be one with. It means to, if you're abiding in the Lord, that means that you are one with the Lord. One. That means in, in, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, in your intellect, it means that you are one. So my mind has to be renewed to the word of God if I'm going to abide in the Lord. I can't abide in the Lord if my mind is not the same as his. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. And the only way we're going to have the mind of Christ is that with his word is in our mind and we think like he thinks. And that's a process. That's not something that, that just comes automatically. It's not something just because you come to church. It's not something just because you read through the Bible in a year. It's something that you are meditating on. You are asking the Holy Spirit to make it life to you, to bring it for, for, for foot leather. You, you are walking. I got to walk this walk. I can't, I can't just talk or talk. So I, I have to have my mind just like his. I have to think about a subject like he thinks about it. So when somebody asks me, well, what do you think about this? Well, I have to think automatically, what does the Lord think about this? Because if I think different from the Lord, I don't have the mind of Christ on this subject. I got to have the mind of Christ about it. I don't care what, that, what, what it is. It could be how, how do I discipline my children? How do I relate to uh, my boss? How do I relate to my coworkers? How do I relate to someone who uh, doesn't like me? How do I re- uh, relate to, to my relatives who uh, don't, want, want, don't want to be around me because I'm a Christian? How do I relate to somebody who, uh, whatever the situation may be, there's all sorts of situations coming up at us all the time. How do we do that? What does he say about love? What does he say about forgiveness? What does he say about giving? What does he say about um, forgetting things? What does he say about it? Because some things we want to we want to just pass right on over. We just let it pass right on us. Don't don't pay any attention to it. What does he say about uh, when we hear something? Do we let it stick on our in our mind? Because we don't want to let things stick. Because we want to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So everything has to be when you say abide. That's part of 
the abiding. It's not just a, 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 a verse I'm reading. Okay? So if you abide in me and my words, now that's different. Because we read up in oh, probably verse um, 3 and verse 4, uh, in verse 3 it says, If you, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you, abide in me and, and I in you. So that's, I abide in the Lord, the Lord abides in me. That's one. Then in verse 5 he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. So it's still the same thing. I in the Lord and the Lord in me. But when we get down to verse 7, it says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now that's the difference. He said twice now, if you abide in me and I in you. Is it the same thing if I abide in the Lord and his word abide in me? Is his word abiding in me the same as him abiding in me? By, by context, it's the same thing. That's the only reason why he switched it up, because it means the same thing. It means the same thing. Is that, that my word and, that, and, 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 and God and his word, they're one. Are they not? Jesus Christ is the word of God, isn't he? So I said, okay, I know how to then now have to make sure God is abiding in me is I make sure his word is abiding in me. Now I know that word abiding means it has to be, I have to be one with that word. I have to be not only one with that word, but my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, everything has to be lined up with that word. It has to be one. The word and me, we have to be one. Is that true? That's true. Then he says something that everybody gets excited about. He says that, of course, it starts off in seventh and if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Then he says, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Isn't that exciting? That we can ask whatever we wish and it'll be done for us. But the condition is that we are abiding in him and his word is abiding in us. We are one with that word. We think like he thinks. We, we talk like he talks. We act like he acts. Isn't that exciting? But see, that's what Jesus did, isn't it? Jesus, he did exactly that. When you saw him, you saw the Father. When you heard him, you heard the Father. It, they, they were one. They were one. And, of course, the, the word tells us 
that we are supposed to be one. Uh, in John chapter 17, that's what he said. He, he wants us to be one just like they are one. Then he says that in verse 8, My Father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And I won't tell you, you know, I won't go into that verse and what disciples mean and all that, but he's, he's saying here that my Father is glorified in this vine and these shoots and the fruit that comes forth. He is, my Father is glorified that this vineyard, this, all these grapes, all these vines, they're producing good grapes, full of grapes. And, of course, we've read many parables and, and things in the Bible where Israel was not a fruitful vine. It did not produce good grapes. Even though he planted it, uh, a good vine, it didn't, it didn't work out that way. So God wants good fruit. And fruit is actually what we do, what we say. Our behavior, our mode of action. See, our words are fruit. Did you know that? Our words are fruit. When we're singing, that's fruit. When we we talk to one another, that's fruit. What we say to one another, that's fruit. What we do is fruit. When you give to the poor, it's fruit. He wants fruit. So that's what... Uh, and the only way we can produce fruit, or uh, let's say uh, fruit can come forth through us, is that we abide in the vine. So with God, with God, we can do nothing apart from him. With God, now thinking, thinking of that, I know that I can do nothing apart from him. I know that. So... The one thing I wanted to say at the beginning is that without God, without being attached to the, to the vine, what can that shoot, that branch, produce? If you take that vine, that shoot, that, not the vine, but the shoot or, the, or, the, or that branch off that vine, what is that What is that? branch going to produce? Nothing. Nothing. It's going to be thrown away. Uh, it's going to dry up and do nothing. So apart from him, we can do nothing. And, and what we do a lot of times is that we say, well, God, I need you. Yes, we do. But we didn't start needing him when we needed him because of the situation we're in. We need him every hour of the day. We need him when we are asleep. That's why when you read in the psalm, say, you know, but the person that fly by night, destruction at noonday, we need him all the time. All the time. What could we do without God? Tell me one thing that you can do. You know, uh, an example that one person gave was that 
just like a quadriplegic or somebody who's paralyzed. That's a good example of we can do nothing without God because that, that, that person who's paralyzed, they can't dress themselves. They, you know, they can't do anything. But my sister was a quadriplegic. She was paralyzed, and she could do something because she was paralyzed from her uh, shoulders down. And so I know she could do some things because I, when I visited her a lot of times, she could talk, she could see, you know, she could take a, uh, a thing in her mouth and write things. So a person can do some things. So that was not a good example for me because I already knew and seen this opposite. But the example for me of it is just what it is. You can do nothing apart from him. That's, that's plain enough for me. So you name one thing. You say, well, I can breathe without him. And we know, uh, you know, it, you probably would have to be, you say, well, my little child said that because uh, my child doesn't really know. They think, they said, my heart beats, and it, and it doesn't need anybody for his heart to beat. Oh, yeah? We know that your heart will not beat, you cannot see, you cannot talk, you can't walk, you can't breathe, you can do nothing apart from God. Nothing. And so that's the picture he gives when he's talking about the vine. And apart from the vine, you can, you can do nothing. The branch can do nothing. It's just good, just, just well, is take it and, and throw it away, let it drop, and, and throw it in the fire because it's good for kindling. That's all it's good for. And we've seen that when, when it, like the days like the day where, when the wind is blowing, uh, if you have a branch on a tree that's, that's just hanging there, it's dead, it's just hanging there. It'll blow it right on off because it's not really attached and it's not really producing anything. It's not going to be fruitful in the spring. An example that I like to look at when he says, with God, with God, I can do all things. With God, I can do all things. Now, that is exciting to me because I know that Attached to the vine, I mean, it's nothing that I can't do. And he said that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Now, whatever you will means to tell me that I don't care what I ask, it will be done to a certain extent. Now, let's look at, let's look at uh, a couple of things here. Let's go to Mark 14. Because that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good example for me in that. Because I want to know what can I ask. I want to know that. Because it, it, I'll be asking stuff. You know, that's what I want to do. I want to, if he said ask, I want to, I want to ask. I really want to ask. Now, when I, when I want to know what to ask, I want to find out. What did Jesus ask? What did he ask? Now, you remember when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane? In verse 32, it says, uh, they came to a place named Gethsemane. 
and he said unto his disciples, sit here until, uh, until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to uh, be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved uh, to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little, little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if, he said, he began to pray that if it be, if it were possible, if it were possible now, the hour might pass him by. Why would he say that? Why would he say, if possible? Why would Jesus say, if possible, when he abides in the Father, and the Father abides in him? So that means he could ask whatever he will, and it be done for him. Why did he ask, why did he say, if possible, the hour might pass by me? By me. Now, verse 36 says, And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Now, wait a minute. It seems like it's kind of, he already said, if possible. Why would he say if possible? Then turn around around and say, all things are possible. It seems like there's a disconnect somewhere here. But he says that, if possible, let it pass by me. Then all things are possible. Then he says, remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. So that gave me a clue and an answer to what my mind says is that, whoopee, I can ask anything I want because he said, and it's in his word, if I abide in him, his words abide in me, I can ask whatever, whatever I want, and it'll be done for me. Whatever. Whatever. And I don't like bugs, so I said, bugs die. And all the bugs die. Yeah. Right? He said, ask whatever you will. Didn't he, didn't he say that? Whatever you will. And it'll be done. You remember the, 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 the uh, disciples? Well, they said, well, you know, hey, let's call down fire. Can we call down fire on them, Jesus? And they were thinking about, hey, that, that's scripture. I mean, that, that's scripture. And I saw it in the Old Testament. That's scripture. Jesus, can, let's call down fire on them. He said, hey, wait a minute. You don't know what spirit you are. See, because that's not his mind. That's not his will. See, that, that was the disciples' mind. But if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we have to think like he thinks, not like they thought in the Old Testament. We're under grace now. And so, therefore, how is he thinking now about this situation? How he's thinking now is that, no, we don't want to call down fire on them and kill them. We want to get them saved. You don't know what spirit you are. So then, 
Why should I say, you know, I want all the bugs around my house, you know, to die. No bugs. If y'all want to have cookouts or anything, come to my house because there are no bugs. I killed them all. I just spoke. Now, that's not why he put that there. Because, see, I have to know now that, oh, Jesus said all things are possible. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So I got to find out what is your will, Lord, on this subject? What is your will on that subject? What is your will when I talk to this person? What is your will uh, when I relate to this person? What is your will? Because now if I know the will of God, now I can ask that will. And it will be done. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's very important. Because, see, I believe that the church is in a situation of the living God that we need to be doing what God has said to, said to do. Uh, let's look at the Gospel of John. Let's go to, I'm going to skip over a couple of scriptures that I had. Let's go to John, the last one I had. And on, on the Gospel of John, Verse 14, verse 10 through 14, it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? This is Jesus talking. The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abides in me. You hear what he said? The Father abides in me, does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That's that abiding relationship we're talking about. And if that's so, see, we can ask whatever we will. And then he says that otherwise, if you don't want to believe that, then believe because of the works, the works themselves. Oh, my goodness. Truly, truly, I say to you. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever is asked in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What's the condition? We've got to believe in him, and we have to uh, make sure that the Father is glorified by this. Okay? Now, as a church of the living God, this is a challenge to us. 
Universal Church, more specifically Cornerstone. Because why talk about this abiding relationship? Why even talk about uh, it? Well, ask what you will, and it'll be done. Why? Why even talk about it if Jesus did this? He says, "The Father's abiding me, and Him. I can ask what I will, and it'll be done." that the Father may be glorified. Why even say that if we say, well, that's Jesus and Father. They had a special relationship. We can't have that relationship with Jesus like that. Well, why read John? Why go to John 15, what we started? Why even talk about that abiding relationship if it's not possible? If, if we can't do it. If he says that, Greater works will you do than these. Why say that? Is he trying to tease us or something? What is he trying to do? Or is it really true? If we abide in him and he abides in us, his words abide in us, can we really ask what we will and it be done? Can we really raise the dead? Can we really pray for the sick and they be healed? Can we really pray for the lost and they be saved? Can we really do these things or is it just lip service? It's just words on a, on a page. And you say, this is not the Bible. Anyway, that thing is the iPad. Yeah, 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 true. You know? I believe that God wants us to have a revelation that this is true today. It's true for you today. It's true for all of the body of Christ today if we meet the stipulations of abiding. We can do this. But this abiding can't be that, oh, we go to church once a week. You know, we do our whatever devotional time in the morning. We say our prayers before we go to bed. It's got to be a living, oneness relationship. It's got to be an abiding relationship. It's got to be a oneness relationship where you're thinking like he's thinking, I'm thinking like he's thinking. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whole total process every single hour of the day, every single minute of the day. This is going through our mind. When we're at work, when something comes up, we need to quickly, okay, God, thank you, Holy Spirit, this is what I do. Because you can check in with God in a second. It doesn't take long to check in with the Father. Because a lot of things in the word is in the Word of God anyway. In the Word, we're supposed to hide in our heart that we might not sin against God. God so so we've we got to have this. And I, I, I personally, I want this to be us in 2019. I want it to be a revelation so that we can say, hey, we are, are moving and we are shaking things. In Lynchburg, because wherever we are, whether it's, it's, it's whatever work we do, wherever place we go, the supermarket, whatever it is, we listen for the Father, and whatever He tells us to do, that's what we do. And I'm telling you, there are people all over who have needs, and they are looking for people who can answer that need. I tell you, I go to the I, when I was in the hospital, the thing is filled up with people.
when I go get antibiotics treatment, the place is filled up with people who are taking chemotherapy and, and all these sorts of things. It's filled up. Why can't we do what God says? Because he says that uh, in, in, in Matthew, he said, I healed all of them. I cast out the demons. I did all this to fulfill that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. That Jesus took our infirmities and he bore, bore our diseases. What does fulfill mean? It's finished, isn't it? He said, it's fulfilled. It's fulfilled. I took your infirmities. Infirmities is a weaknesses. That means like with leukemia, it has weaknesses because it lowers your your uh, immune system, and so you then you become susceptible to a cold or whatever the situation may be. And people usually don't die from leukemia; they die from something that the weakness caused, whether it be pneumonia or whatever it is. And but he says that I took your infirmities. I bore your disease. So he bore cancer. He bore whatever your heart situation may be, whatever your leg situation may be, whatever anything may be. He said, I bore your disease. And I took the weaknesses that the disease caused. Either he did or he didn't. And you said, well, well, I don't see it happening. Well, maybe he's waiting for us to abide in him. And his word abide in us. Then we can ask what he, we will. And we're not going to ask in, in anything about no silly bugs. We're going we're to ask, <laughs> we ask, heal this person. Because that's what he did. He walked around and there, there's somebody coming out, a funeral procession. And here's the castle. He just put his hands on it. That person rise up. I mean, Jesus did crazy stuff like that. Turn water into wine. He did crazy stuff. Right? And you say, well, that stuff is impossible. Well, Jesus said himself, Father, all things are possible to you. So as a church, I said, God, God. Help us to have a revelation in 2019. We're not, let us don't be the same thing. The same every year after year. We have, yes, we have things that we want uh, to accomplish uh, in the new year. Yes, we want to eat better. Yes, we want to do that. Uh, Those are good things. But there are bigger things that's out here. There are eternal things. That people are waiting for. Do you know that all the creation are waiting for the sons of God to be manifest? Oh, my God. I said, God, you get me so I can teach again. I'm going to teach because I tell you what, I don't want to be the same. I don't want to be the same. And so do you do, do, do all want to be the same? Together, let's... Take these possible 
turning points and ask God for a turning point on your own. Because yeah, he knows you. He knows what you need. He said, God, give me a turning point, something that'll turn from where I am to where you want me to be, that I may be to walk in an in a area that I couldn't walk in victory before. Help me to do that. That's what God wants. He wants that. Let's stay. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.